Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Epiphany Lutheran Church of Mount Vernon, Virginia. We're a congregation of the Metro DC Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And you can find out more about us on our website at epiphanylutheran.org. Reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, King Sennacherib of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and capture them. The king of Assyria sent his official, the Ravshekah, with a great army from Lakshish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. He stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. There came out to him Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was in charge of the palace, and Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder. Then the Ravshekah stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you rely on the Lord by saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me, come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from your own vine and from your own fig tree and drink water from your own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you by saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered their land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharavim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hands? Who among all the gods of these countries have delivered their countries out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? When King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was in charge of the palace, and Shevna the secretary, and the senior priests covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to Isaiah, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, of disgrace. Children have come to the birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard the words of the Rav Shekah, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and he will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. I myself will put a spirit in him, so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. This is the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, 
and shall be raised above the hills, and all the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. The Gospel of Matthew, we remember that our Lord Jesus taught his disciples, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. The, Syrian, the Assyrian army came to Jerusalem to conquer and to destroy. King Hezekiah said to the prophet Isaiah, This is a day of distress, of rebuke, of disgrace. We're like those with child who is about to be born, but we don't have the strength to give birth. And Isaiah responded, Don't be afraid. In days to come, all the nations will come to Jerusalem, to the house of the God of Jacob, that God may teach us God's ways, that we may walk in God's path. Our reading today ends with this very familiar passage. The day is coming, Isaiah sees it, when swords will be beaten into plowshares, when young people will train for war no more, when the word of God will go out from Jerusalem and judge and instruct and teach all the nations God's ways of peace. It's a vision of the coming reign of God over the whole world that promises peace and security for absolutely everyone. It's a vision that's inspired people for centuries, from the statue in front of the United Nations building in New York of a sword being beaten into a plowshare, to people living through war, or the threat of war and violence and danger in ancient times right up to our own. This promise that one day human beings will be free of the violence that we do to one another, when young people will no longer have to train to defend themselves and their neighbors, when we can put down our weapons of war and use our resources to feed and care for one another. This promise that seems so far away at times and yet feels very close. This promise of something that everyone, almost everyone at least, would love to see fulfilled. And yet it seems so far away, so impossible to achieve. And yet, century after century, the dream of God's peace lives on. The vision of peace that Isaiah saw so long ago. This familiar passage, however, comes at the end of the story that you may not have ever heard before. I don't know that I've ever heard this particular story read in church before today. And on one level, it's surprising because this story of Assyria's failed attempt to attack Jerusalem in 701 BCE is one of the oldest stories in the Bible for which there is also abundant historical evidence outside the Bible. Assyrian and other nations kept their records on stone rather than on paper. Some of them have survived to the present day. The Assyrians were the military superpower of the Middle East in the 700s and the 600s BCE. In the year 722, the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. 
Ten of the twelve tribes of Israel were deported and sent into exile. But the Assyrians got distracted by other battles and problems, and they never made it to Jerusalem. But now, under a new king by the name of Sennacherib, in 701 the Assyrians came back to attack the southern Jewish kingdom of Judah. They arrived at the gates of Jerusalem with a huge army, prepared to surround the city and starve its inhabitants until they surrendered. There's even a stone obelisk with the story of King Sennacherib's battles. It was discovered by archaeologists in 1830 in the ruins of Nineveh. You can now see it in a museum in Chicago, in which Sennacherib boasts, as for King Hezekiah, I shut him up like a caged bird in his royal city of Jerusalem. The Bible's version of the story begins today with a high-ranking Assyrian official called the Rav Sheka, which is a cool name, uh, but his message is anything but cool. He arrives outside the gates of Jerusalem and the disinformation campaign begins. Surrender now! Do not resist, the Rav Sheka tells the people. He says it all in Hebrew so that everyone can understand. Yes, we're going to deport you and send you into exile, but don't worry. You're going to like your new homes just fine. It's what they always say. It's what they told the Native Americans before the Trail of Tears, right? But if you fight us and try to resist us, you're going to suffer greatly, and you will fail. Everyone else has. If King Hezekiah tells you the Lord will protect you, don't listen to him. The Lord won't protect you. The Lord can't protect you. Our army is too large. Our weapons are too powerful. Our gods have given us victory over everyone. The gods of Hamath, the gods of Arpad, the gods of Sepharavim, they didn't do their people any good. So when Hezekiah says to you, let's fight back, the Lord will help us, don't listen to him. Save yourselves. Surrender. Now, in retrospect, it's easy to say, don't listen, that's the enemy talking. But it is true. The Lord does not give Israel a victory in every battle. And so the question comes, is this a time when we have to hang in and trust that despite all appearances against all the odds, God will deliver the victory? Or is this a time to be realistic and avoid a pointless loss of life? And how are you supposed to tell the difference? That's a real issue, not just in 701 BCE, but today too. It's a question that comes up in war. I remember at the beginning of the war in Ukraine this year, when everyone thought Russia was going to capture Kiev in a few days. The U.S. offered to evacuate President Zelensky to a safer place, and he replied famously, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. That's brave. So far it's worked. At a frightful cost, though. It happens when we have an illness. Someone's just diagnosed with a serious illness. And some people will tell you, you've got to fight back with everything you've got. If you just keep a positive attitude and have faith and believe you're going to get better, you will. And yet sometimes there's nothing to be done but accept what's inevitable. And eventually that day comes for everybody. Well, how do you know which is right? When is it time to fight? When is it time to accept? You know, I think of my own family experience uh, when my mother was very ill. Uh, in the beginning, she was full of fight and positive thoughts, even though she was in a lot of pain. And then there came a moment when she wasn't. And I remember some people in our family 
had a hard time with that. They'd come and see her and say, oh, you know, why doesn't she try harder? If she would just push through, she could do this. And I know that was fear talking. It's part of the process of grieving. Grieving what we've lost or what we fear, what we might lose. When in the end, if you know that as St. Paul once wrote, if we live, we're the Lord's. If we die, we're the Lord's. So we, regardless of whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. If we know that, it's much easier to know when it's time to fight and when it's time to accept. In the biblical story, we're told Hezekiah goes to the temple, unrolls the letter from Sennacherib before God, and seeks guidance. He asks, will God just stand by and let the Rav Shekah be proven right, that the Lord is powerless before the gods of Assyria? And then eventually the king consults the aged prophet Isaiah. Isaiah tells him, just be patient. The Assyrians are going to leave on their own. Turns out, that's exactly what happened. It seems that some epidemic started running through the Assyrian army encamped outside Jerusalem, I guess before modern medicine and modern epidemiology and modern sanitation. That kind of thing happened quite a bit. In any case, the army left on its own, and Jerusalem was spared. Now, how did Isaiah know that was going to happen? You know, I don't think prophets generally have any special foreknowledge about the future, although sometimes it seems that way. More often, prophets are people who have a deep understanding of what is happening in the present. Sometimes that enables them to see where things are going. Somehow Isaiah seems to have understood that the Assyrian army was weaker than it seemed, turned out he was right, and so Jerusalem was spared this time. But like the person who's sick and recovers, perhaps because of good medical treatment, perhaps because of their faith, even because of divine intervention, and they still remain subject to the human condition and will not live forever. Likewise, Jerusalem being spared was celebrated as the Lord's deliverance. Plague that killed the Assyrian soldiers was hailed as the work of an angel. But what resulted couldn't really be called peace. War was not abolished. Eventually, a few generations later, war would return, Jerusalem would fall, the temple would be burned, the people would all go into exile, and Isaiah knew that that would happen too. This is the world in which Isaiah gives us his vision of what God's coming reign will look like. Isaiah sees that after all the battles are finished, the day is coming when the nations will come to Jerusalem, not to attack it or to conquer it, but to worship God there. The day is coming when the people of God will go out from Jerusalem, not because they're fleeing an attacking army or because they're being driven into exile, but they will go out to bring Torah, to bring the teaching about God and God's way to all the nations. The day is coming when Everyone will not only live in peace, they'll feel so safe and secure they won't even think about preparing to defend themselves, preparing for war. They'll get rid of their swords and their shields, never to be needed again, or they'll turn them into something useful. This is the remarkable thing about the reign of God as Isaiah sees it. It not only will be peaceful, but people will feel so safe and secure that they won't feel the need to arm themselves. Which of these will come first? 
Will the disappearance of war eventually get people to relax and let go of their fear? Or is the overcoming of fear the thing that eventually leads to peace? Jesus shows us how to live in this world, a world where war still exists, where violence still exists, where crosses still exist, where hatred and fear are still powerful. Jesus lives in this world with the kingdom of God fully in his sight. He knows the world is a dangerous place, and he is able to imagine a world where we will know ourselves to be safe in God's hands. And Jesus invites us to do the same, to know that the world is a dangerous place, that we all have our lumps and our scars and our broken places and our grief and all that we've lost, and the faith to know that the world is full of God's presence and peace, and that we are safe and secure in the hands of God. Nothing, not even death, can take us out of God's hands, and so we have nothing to fear. Isaiah's vision of the kingdom of God, the reign of Christ the King. This vision is not, in the end, something far off in the distant and unimaginably utopian future. Kingdom is here, now. Christ is King, now. The day when we can let go of our fears is today. Because Isaiah knew enough not to be afraid, he gave Hezekiah good advice about how to respond to the Assyrians. May God free us from our fears, too. Thanks for listening to our Epiphany Sermon Podcast. You're welcome to join us for Sunday worship online, or if you're in Northern Virginia in person, on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to this podcast on iTunes, please give us a rating and a review. It helps other people to find us.